The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Welcome to our new series on uh, love, sex, and marriage. When we were trying to find a title for this talk, or for this whole series actually, we wanted to come up with something that was not just exclusive to marriage and so eliminate a whole segment of our congregation. And so we tried to put together something that is applicable to relationships and love and marriage and all the things that go involved in those relationships. So if you are married, single, want to be married, don't ever want to be married again, whatever the case is, then this series is designed specifically for you and mine. The biggest marriage in the world took place yesterday, right? I'm sure you saw all the pictures already and watched the news. I was particularly interested in myself because uh, that's one of my favorite places in the whole world, the, um, the city of Venice. If you've not been there, highly recommend it. Incredible place, very romantic place. And uh, so the Grand Canal is actually huge, but the entire canal was shut down for a period of time uh, yesterday because there were too many boats there, all the paparazzi and everybody wanting to see all the famous movie stars. And so here you have a guy, George Clooney, who is 53 years old. He's been single, a bachelor for 21 years, 21 years, single, rich, famous, handsome, and then he meets this gal, and I really can't pronounce her name that well. So a uh, 36-year-old lawyer has been single for 15 or more years of her life. And the two are getting married, or got married yesterday. So what's that relationship going to be like? With that much time being single, adding those two things together. I don't know. I hope they do well. But marriage can be awesome. It can be fulfilling and wonderful and exciting. And it can be horrible, terrible, depressing, discouraging, painful, a disaster. You might even say it's the worst thing in your life, getting married. But it also can be wonderful. It all depends on how you live it out. And so I want to talk to you this morning briefly about God's design for marriage. Because God invented marriage in the beginning of time. He officiated over the very first marriage. He created it. He set all the pieces in place. And so he has a specific design in mind for marriage. And when you do it God's way, it works. It's wonderful. It's the most fulfilling, satisfying, exciting thing in your life. Deeply wonderful. And so if you follow God's design, then marriage is amazing. Now, you can go down to uh, uh, the, the uh, county courthouse and for 10 bucks you can get a marriage license. All right, few criteria but very simple, no skill involved, no training involved. You don't have to know anything or do anything. You just go down there, give them your information, pay your 10 bucks, 
get your marriage license. Now, you think about what you had to go through to get your driver's license. I mean, nowadays, I remember my kids had to go through a whole quarter of training or classes. They even outsource it now and, and go through all this preparation and testing and testing and driving and practice just to learn how to get a driver's license. And by the way, I've seen some of you drive. I think you should go back to school. But it doesn't take very much to get a license. But what about a professional license or all these different components? Maybe you have to get some special training for your job and your work. And, and, but how much training did you get for marriage? Where do you get that kind of training? Where do you go? What can you do? be trained for marriage. How many men, when they stand at the altar, know what they're doing? How many women have any clue what is ahead for them? And so God's design is important. Everybody who is a a fan of sports knows this. To win a game... You have to have two things. Two things. One, you have to have a good game plan. Not a single team, well, maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars, but very few teams go into the game not knowing what the plan is. They have an excellent game plan. It's written out. It's there for all the athletes. They study, study, study to have the good plan, and then the second thing you need to succeed is good execution. You have to be able to execute. And even as recent as last Sunday, did you see it? Last Sunday afternoon, the post-game interviews, Peyton comes out, says, we had a great game plan. We did not execute. It didn't execute the plan. If we had followed the plan, we would have beat the Hawks. I'll never forget his infamous interview after the Super Bowl about somebody, one of the reporters made a comment about him being uh, embarrassed or embarrassing performance, and boy, that really uh, pricked his soul. And I think this is true when people... When their, when their marriage fails, when their relationship fails, they blame the plan. They say, oh, that's a bad plan. That's a, that a bad plan. We need to come up with a better plan here. This, there's got to be a better way. And if you hear people make all kinds of statements after their relationship is broken and falling apart, you know, I'll never love a man again, I'll never love a woman again, or something like that, you know. Or they, they, they say there's something wrong with the plan. We've got to change the plan. It's not right. And people who are wanting to change the plan have no idea what the plan is. Think about it. How much time have you spent studying God's game plan for marriage? Really, think about it. Do you know what it looks like, what the basic structure is of how marriage is supposed to be. Most people have no idea. They know more about their sports team and the lineup for this week and their fantasy team than they do their spouse. 
So they say it doesn't work. We got to have a new plan. Let me illustrate this here. I've got this um, box of, uh, this is a table. It's made by solder. Love these guys. Um, this was uh, 10 bucks. $10, where can you get a $10 table? But you have to put it together yourself. And uh, so it's, it's simple, just a simple box, different parts. You got to put together. And then there's this little instruction booklet here comes with it. Um, it says um, part 4157243, the beginnings collection, they call it. Um, good marriages made possible. And uh, this is instructions on how to understand a woman. So, page, page one, here we go. Page one, uh, step one. Step one, give up, pal, you'll never figure this out. Okay, so now the real instructions, <laughs> real instructions, okay. Uh, a lot simpler, thank God. Some of us need uh, simple instructions. So there are seven steps. It tells you what you need. You need three tools, uh, hammer, uh, screwdriver, another screwdriver. So two screwdrivers and a hammer. And uh, seven simple steps. And if you follow the pictures, they make it easy for you. There's just little pictures here. There's really no words involved. It's a simple table. And so you start with the first piece. And you set it down like that. And then you get this piece. And I wonder how many of you, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, raise your hand. How many of you have looked at something like this and said, oh, I got that. I, I don't need this. I mean, this is for sucker. This is for people who really don't know, right? So, so I don't need that. Um, I've got all the parts here. I, I, I can figure this out. Or how about you're, you're, you're building one of these things, and then you get to step four, and you realize that, oops, that's not going to work. You made a mistake, and so you have to go back, you know, go back, take it apart again, and go back. Or how about if you, uh, you said, well, I mean, I, I can make this work. I don't need these parts. You know, this, it'll, it'll be fine. And, you know, if, if I can get my own parts. I've got stuff in the garage, right? I, I can make this work. I don't need that. I can do this on my own. I'll make it work. I'll use my own stuff. But then is the table going to look the way it was designed to look? Or how about this? Is the table going to hold up to the torture of four boys and ten years of trouble? I don't know. I don't know if that table's going to make it. I mean, if you don't use all the parts, I don't know that it'll make it even past this sermon. But it has... It has pictures. It tells you how to put it together. And I wonder how many people have just said, I'll figure it out. I'll make it work. 
a lot of people have. At the very beginning of the Bible, when God started to explain everything that he wanted for the creation of the world, he started with marriage. Isn't that interesting? One of the most important things, he starts with marriage at the beginning to get this right from the start. There's going to be a lot of marriage. So let's get it right from the start. So if you look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, you see this story of marriage unfolding. The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. God creates Adam, and then he says, It's not good for him to be alone. Now, you could do a whole sermon series on that right there. That one sentence. It's not good for dudes to be alone. Because when we are alone, bad things happen. As recently as last Friday night. Friday night is, is our date night for Joy and I. Can you toss me that water there, Jim? Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Sharon? Thank you. Friday night, Joy and I go out. It's simple. You know, we go to Qdoba or something like that. Just the two of us and unwind from the week and spend some time together. Leave the boys at home. When they were all younger, we used to have a babysitter that would sit with the kids. And now we got older boys, so they're on their own. And so we get home. And my oldest comes in and says, Dad, remember that talk you gave about the difference between a man and a boy? Yes, I do remember, son. Well, you need to have that talk with Andy. <laughs> because he broke the Xbox, and he claims he didn't do it, and he was the only one in the room. When men are alone, it's not good. It's not good. We shouldn't be alone. And we start talking to ourselves and saying things to ourselves and then losing it. All men should not be alone. Whole teaching on that, but we won't do that today. So God caused the man to fall asleep, a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. For when I saw her, I said, Whoa, man! And she was taken out of the man. I couldn't resist that. I had to do that. Verse 24, and this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So right at the beginning, God's creating order. He's establishing the earth, and he sets right from the beginning a order. This is how it shall be. This is important from the very beginning. Get things right. God's design, His way. 
And things went that way pretty much for 8,000 years. It's a long time. Considering our country has been a country for a couple hundred years, more, 8,000 years, it goes on like this in marriage, a man and a woman, and then Jesus comes along. Jesus comes along, and he's asked about the same subject. Matthew 19, verse 3. The Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason at all? And Jesus said, haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. Two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that the men could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked Jesus. And he replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God originally had intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. And Jesus' disciples piped up and they said, this is the case, if this is the case, it's better not to get married. A bit of wisdom pops out every now and then from the disciples. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs. If you don't know what that is, you can Google it. Some have been made eunuchs by others. Some chose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. The religious leaders in Jesus' day were looking for a new plan. They didn't like the divine plan that God made. It's too difficult. Ergo, the instruction manual that was tossed aside. Try and figure out a woman. Try and figure out a man. It's a challenge. It doesn't always go great. It's not just all peaches and cream and love and all these wonderful good feelings and romance, and it's just great all the time. It can be really, really hard. So maybe the plan is faulty, Jesus. Maybe that's not how it's supposed to be. Let's alter the design. Let's do something new. Jesus' response to them is, no. No, you cannot change the design. What God said at the beginning, he meant to be the same. It should remain. He affirmed it. He said, we're not changing Genesis. That is the way it is. That's the way God designed it to be. That's the way it has to continue to be. It's 
God's design for marriage. They were looking for options. They were looking for ways out. For a way out. You see this in a person's eye. I've had so many different couples come into my office and sit down and they cloak it in the terminology of we're looking for a solution to our problems. But then there is one that has this look and you, you have to see it a lot to understand it. that look of I'm looking not for options, I'm looking for my way of escape my way out of this disaster. And so Jesus said, the problem is not the plan, it's the execution of the plan. You have hard hearts. Your hearts have become so hard and crusty like a solid rock that there is no way for you to be able to execute this. You can't follow the plan because your hearts are so hard. You ever felt like you just, you're having a conversation with your significant other and you're speaking English and they're speaking English, but you can't tell? And you think to yourself, what is wrong with you, woman? I am speaking in plain English here. Why can't you understand me? And she looks at you like, you are such an idiot, you blockhead. You don't know anything about women. And it's, it's not the divine plan. It's the problem. It's not that this is how God set it up and it's all his fault and he's ruined our lives because he's... I've, I've, I tell you, I've gone before God in prayer, in earnest prayer, and I said, Lord, why did you do this to her? She is messed up. I'm serious. Is this a joke? Are you, you laughing at us up there? Why did you make this so hard? I... You know, you, you feel my frustration? And, and I, you know, you could bring Joy up here and she would say the same thing. But it was hardness of heart that was the problem. Jesus nailed it. He said, hey, it's not, it's not marriage. It's not marriage. It's hardness of heart. And your hearts have grown so cold and hard, and stubborn, and rebellious, and full of resentment and bitterness, that there, it's impossible to have love. You know, if you're carrying in one hand hurt, bitterness, anger, frustration, disappointment, discouragement, depression, you can't hold over here hope, joy, peace, love, self-control. You can't. You can't. You can't hold both of those at the same time. One's going to fall. One or the other. So it's not God's design that's the problem. It's hardness of heart. It's our issues. Extremely poor execution or, in some cases, no execution at all. Zero. Every player goes onto the field as if 
they each have their own game plan. Washington Redskins looked like this last Thursday night. Didn't they? It looked to me, and I remember just, gal, not too long ago, Eli was throwing four interceptions, not four touchdowns. And uh, he looked like he understood the game plan. It looked like it clicked. It looked like he understood where he was supposed to be, who he was supposed to throw to. And not only that, the person, the receiver, knew where he was supposed to be, and he was there, and he caught the ball, touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Compare that to the other team. They had no idea what was going on. And how many men and women stand at the altar, especially yesterday, and they don't know what the original intent is supposed to look like? Now, granted, most people don't get very good examples to follow. Okay? I mean, oh, I can tell you some stories about my family, <clears throat> but I won't. Joy and I came into our relationship, no clue whatsoever what a healthy marriage looks like. Neither one got good examples. And most people don't, because how much training do you get for a marriage? Relatively none, mostly none, zero, okay? And so everybody's winging it. If you don't know how it's supposed to be, then you don't have a good chance of it going well. It amazes me when so-called Christians say that God's plan is wrong or unfair or unkind or doesn't work or they, in, they infer that it should be a different plan or maybe that the Bible got it wrong or that it's outdated. So we need a new design. Let's recreate, redefine what marriage is. Now think about that for a moment. Have you ever have your have your methods ever been questioned by somebody who knows nothing of what they're talking about? Yeah, yeah, I've got some teenagers and uh, yeah, that happens every day, right? I guess it would be like uh, me. I'm going to go up to Michael Jordan and I'm going to explain to him the correct way to dunk. Right? I mean, how did it make you feel when you as the expert, your methods were questioned by somebody who had no clue what they were talking about? What was your response? Yeah. Ticked you off, didn't it? It's insulting. How dare you question me? I invented the thing. I made this from the beginning, and I have watched over this 
for thousands and thousands of years and you're telling me I've got it wrong? It's insulting. I mean, insulting doesn't even come close to it. It's something worse. It's, I don't know if it's pride, if it's ignorance, or it's just out and out rebellion. God, we don't want to do what you have to say. Period. Leave us alone. The only thing that I can find in the Bible that's close to this about somebody who is rejecting God's point of view, his plan, he says, this is how it is. This is how it's supposed to be. And if you do it this way, it will work. It'll be wonderful. It'll be successful. Follow this plan. And then somebody comes along and says, that's a terrible plan. I'm not going to follow it. That doesn't work. You made a mistake. God, you have not been married before. And you know what? My kids tell use this. That was a long time ago. Things have changed. Dad, we don't walk to school in the snow anymore. You know, you don't understand our culture, Dad. Our music is different than your music. We don't wear that. Oh, that was the 80s. You know, we've got something new, better. We know what's going on here. You don't. You're out of touch. You're old. This happened to Job. Job was going through horrible suffering. Okay? Horrible suffering. Was that the signal to shut up? I didn't set my timer. I have no idea how long this has been going. Job had this happen. He's going through terrible suffering. It's, it's horrible. I mean, it's the worst of the worst. And if you've ever suffered before, one thing that happens is you begin to question everything. And that, that's just normal. You, you question everything. Why in the world is this going on? And you're, I mean, if, it's, if, you're, if your suffering relates to your health, man, you question every stupid things like, did I sniff? fumes when I was pumping gas and now I'm feeling this you know I mean that bird flew over me did that cause me to you know maybe I have uh, ovarian cancer uh, oh wait I'm, I'm a man uh, but it's possible isn't it I mean you question everything and Job was no different he was doing that and he was specifically questioning God God, you, you screwed up. You, you got this wrong. This, this is all messed up here. There has got to be a better way. And so God speaks to Job. This is at the end of his trial. In Job 38, God finally responds. All along he's been silent. So verse 1 says, The Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant 
words. Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer my questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, I would like to know. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Who supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone at the morning star, as the morning star sang and all the angels shouted for joy? Have you ever commanded the morning to appear or caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth or bring to the end the night's wickedness? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me what you know, Job. Where does the light come from? Where does the darkness go? Can you take it to its home? Do you know how to get there? I love this. But of course you know all this, don't you? This is God talking. For you were born before it was all created, and you are oh so very experienced. You should quote this to your kids. This is crisis. This is perfect. Have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen where they fall? He goes on to chapter 19. Isn't it your wisdom that makes the hawk soar and spread its wings toward the south? It is, is it your command that the eagle rises to its height to make its nest? It lives on the cliffs, making its home a distant, rocky crag. From there it hunts its prey, keeping watch with piercing eyes. Its young gulp down blood. Where there's a carcass, there you'll find it. He goes on and on and on for several chapters, asking Job all of these questions and saying, Job, do you know the answer? Finally, Job gets it. He gives up and he says, in lament, he says, Job's reply 42. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. How many people, I wonder, who stand and shout with their signs and banners and say, the divine plan needs to be cast aside, have any idea what that looks like? Have any idea what the outcome is going to be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road, or even 100 years? When you 
throw out the divine plan and use your own plan have no clue what is down the road. But when you understand, when you really understand God's design, then you know what's ahead. Have you really studied it? I mean, can you say to me that you understand what God expects from you and you do it? Let me ask the men here briefly. Can you say to me that you understand God's design, His plan, and you're following it? And that your wife would agree with your answer? So interesting when you ask the husband a question, you ask the same question of the wife, you get a completely different answer. Strange. When you use something that was designed for a certain purpose for a different purpose, you change the outcome. It would be like taking a Rolex watch that you paid $10,000 for and now using it to hammer nails. I don't know, maybe you're a billionaire and you don't care. Maybe you're really dumb. Maybe you're lazy and you just didn't want to walk to the garage to get the right tool. So you're just whacking it with your watch. But it doesn't matter what the reason is. Who cares? The point is, you just destroyed something of great value because you used it for its wrong purpose. Are you ready to stop rebelling against God and blaming Him and ready to find out what His design is, His divine design? Are you ready to try it His way? I think a lot of times God answers our prayers based upon what He already knows we're going to do. He's a good father. He's a good parent. Would you empower your children to hurt themselves? Of course not. No, I mean, no. So you know that that what they're telling you is a lie and they're really going to go do something else. Are you going to just give that to them knowing they're going to go off and hurt themselves? No, you, you reject that request. So God is no different. When you come to him and you say, God, I want to do it your way. Okay, I've messed this up. It's a royal mess. I'm going to follow your plan. All along thinking and knowing in your own heart, you're not going to obey him at all. You're going to do your own thing. You will not answer that prayer. You have to be willing to do it his way. And maybe this is for you. Haven't you messed up 
long enough. You going to keep going this way? I mean, isn't it enough? Sometimes we are so block-headed. I was. I was. I mean, I don't know how many times she packed her bags or I packed my bags or we threatened to pack our bags. Plates flying, cursing, horrible, horrible stuff before we finally realize, you know what, that's probably not the best way. I wished I'd figured it out a lot sooner. Somebody sat in front of me and said, how's it working for you, John? Having fun? Well, here's the good news. We are offering a marriage course. And it starts on Wednesday. You got this flyer on your chair. This is your invitation. You have this flyer and you have a connection card. And so on the back of that connection card, you can write down, you can say, I would love to be in that marriage course because I know everything, but my husband's an idiot. Go ahead and write that on there. The marriage course goes every Wednesday night for the next eight weeks, and you learn all the topics that you see there on the flyer, starting with the foundation of marriage. Who would have thought? And uh, we give you a dinner, nice, wonderful, cooked meal for you. We serve it to you restaurant style, just like we have at that table at the back just you and your spouse, and you'll sit there and have a nice meal together. You'll hear a talk about God's design for marriage with all the details, a chance to go through a booklet, a workbook, to ask each other questions, to talk, discuss your relationship in private. We even have extra support and help that we'll offer you throughout the process. But maybe it's disaster time, or maybe it's just boring. You know, I mean, there's nothing bad, really. You're not fighting. It's just really boring relationship. Neither getting their needs met. Sign up for the marriage course. Maybe you've been married for 20 years, but you need a rehab. You know, you need a remodel. The thing's looking ugly. <laughs> I saw one on Friday night when Joy were at dinner together. You, they're easy to spot easy because you get a real contrast when you go out to dinner there's only two things you see simple you see the young couple that's leaning across the table hand out on top of the table or underneath eyes wide open that gaze you know they're hardly eating their food and they're going back and forth and they're talking and they're excited and they're in love and then the other one, which is there a little bit older, she's reading her phone and he's reading his phone. They scarf their food down and they're done with their meal in five minutes and they haven't said a word to each other the whole time. Except for maybe you want some ketchup. 
Romantic thought, that is. Saw the ladder on Friday night. It's so sad. It doesn't have to be that way. It can be wonderful and exciting and fulfilling. So set aside your plans. You had you were going to do other stuff, this and that. I said, forget it. This is more important. Write on that card. You're going to be a part of it. You're going to sign up. And join us on Wednesday night. Do that today. Save your marriage. I wonder how many marriages will be saved over the next few weeks by God's power just because we've offered this to our church and to our community.